The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. When you look at Acts chapter 9, verse 1, there's a really important word. It's, it's the word still. Now listen how it fits in. Then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for more authority. I'm shortening that. But still, he started it, hadn't con- has continued, but that is about to come to a stop because on the Damascus Road, he will meet Jesus. I wonder how many things have bad things have stopped in people's lives because Jesus Christ intervened and came into their lives. If that hasn't happened to you, I pray that you would come to Christ and ask him to be Lord. He changes everything. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane, and we're in Acts chapter 9, and you can follow us today. We're going to go through this chapter. It's a great chapter, but I think we can cover it in a manner that you'll just be blessed. Alex, listen, after Paul, the apostle Saul, became Paul, after he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, everything changed, did it not? Oh, it really did. And Bert, it's great to be with you and great to have everybody listening right now. When I was in seminary at Liberty University, the great Harold Wilmington, and many of you will remember if you were a Liberty student, you might remember Dr. Wilmington and probably Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. But Bert, he had us memorize, and this was one of our exams, the most important 100 chapters in the Bible. And we had to memorize them. I spent weeks trying to memorize these. But one of the, according to Dr. Wilmington, one of the 100 most important chapters in the entire Bible was Acts chapter 9. And you know why? Because the conversion of Saul of Tarsus to Paul the Apostle, I mean, quite literally changed world history, didn't it? It did. It changed everything. And uh, he had continued after Stephen's encounter, but he heard him pray. Uh, He heard him and saw him look like an angel. He heard his defense. And uh, it took a while for that to penetrate. And then Jesus, at the right time, after I believe the Holy Spirit would put that into his mind and heart and bring that uh, to fruit, Jesus would speak to him on the road to Damascus. You never know where a seed may have been sown. And uh, yes, we see the reaping of that, but many times we don't know for sure about where the first seed was sown or the second. And it takes cultivation, the Holy Spirit and other people uh, bringing people. So I believe that is the story of, of, of the Apostle Paul. And he journeyed and came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round about him from heaven. Then he fell, this is verse 4, then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, Mm -hmm. Paul said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads or King James says pricks, but goads is a great translation. Alex, uh, Jesus knew when, where, and how, did he not, to speak to Saul, who would become Paul? 
Well, yeah, and you know, it's interesting, you know, in Genesis 50, how Joseph told his brothers, what you meant for evil, God turned into something good. I mean, you look at this, Saul, who's threatening, threatening the church and persecuting, he desired from the high priest letters to Damascus, in other words, the authorization papers to go to Damascus, to the synagogues, because they're looking in the Jewish synagogue for any secret believers. Uh, men or women, and he would bring them bound to Jerusalem for charges. So he's on the on the road to Damascus, and isn't it something that he might have devised in his heart an evil plan? Hey, I, I hear there's Christians in Damascus. I'll go there. I'll find them. I'll bring charges. Uh, and he wanted the sanctioning of the high priest. But what was an evil plan turned into something good, not only for Saul's salvation, but for world history. Now, the two questions, who are you, Lord? What will thou have me to do? In if you look at verses 5 and 6, uh, after the voice of the Lord, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? These two questions, Lord, who are you? And Lord, what would you have me to do? Uh, isn't that, uh, aren't those really the two questions for all people? Who is the Lord? And what is my call, you know? Uh, well, the Lord is Jesus who gave his life on the cross. And what should we do? Receive him, obey him, follow him. I mean, in a way, those two questions are the questions that every person really must grapple with. Yeah. And notice the answers. I am Jesus. That's who he is. And then what will you do? Arise and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Jesus always answered legitimate, honest questions. Now, when I say that, you say, well, doesn't he always? When you look at the Gospels, you'd see sometimes when people would come and try to trick him, he would ask questions to confuse them. But when these honest answers, uh, questions are asked, he gives straight forward, I am Jesus, you've been persecuting, and mm -hmm. go, arise, and go. And, and so this is him, and he wants to do that for you today. If you're honest and seeking answers, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ can help you. If you're trying just to uh, confuse things and remain confusion, you'll probably remain that way and uh, for a while, but God will continue to draw. And Alex, verse 7 says, The men who were with him were speechless. They heard a voice, but saw no one. And Saul did arise, and he said, Let's go. I know where to go. And but when he got up, he was blind. I'm tell he had to be led, did he not? Isn't that something to to see? He had to be struck blind. That's right. Isn't that amazing? So Saul got up, and because in verse six, arise, go into the city. The the word is kumi, k o o m e, arise. And listen, when you get saved. You're, you're going to arise. You're going to get up. Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. He was there three days without sight, neither did eat or drink. You know, in a way, and I don't want to spiritualize this too much, but um, when we baptize a believer, you know, we often say... Um, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. You know, three days of blindness, no food or drink. It, it really does, in a way, symbolize 
uh, death, burial, and resurrection. And just as Christ died on the cross, buried, was risen for our salvation, when we get saved, the old man is dead, and we're raised as, as a new creation. So in a way, Bert, there in verse 9, I, I kind of see an allusion yeah. to the death and resurrection that takes place Amen. in the life of a believer. Amen, Alex. Um, now, we see an Ananias who is absolutely not the Ananias of Acts chapter 5. Um, this is a good Ananias, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And notice what happens here. Years ago, when we were taking, uh, you know, witnessing training, ours was continuous witness training. You can do this, evangelism, explosion, whatever. CWT, Yeah, you remember one that? of the greatest things you'll do is while God is working on this end, he's also working on the ones you're going to witness to. God will bring it about. Yes, he'll bring it about in your heart, in your life. He'll, he'll give you what you need to say, but he's also working to the people you're going to talk to. We see that with this Ananias. While God was working here uh, in, in Saul's life, he is also getting Ananias ready. He's got to do some work on Ananias because Ananias is going to be fearful. He said, I've heard of this man. He's the one that has persecuted so many people in Jerusalem. I heard about him coming to Damascus. I heard about the papers he had. I, I don't want to go. God had to do the work on Ananias as he did on Saul. But that's what God does. He works on both ends, doesn't he? Well, he really does, and it's a beautiful thing how God works in the lives of people. And, you know, I've always loved this in verse 11, arise and go to the street called straight. You remember the Bible says that Jesus and salvation is the narrow way, and few there be that find it. When you come to Christ, you're on the straight road. You're on the right road. <laughs> and, uh, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. See, God had told Ananias, Here's where you're going to find this guy. Now, I've always loved this uh, in verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in a way, uh, Ananias is saying, you know, Lord, this is not the first time I've heard of Saul because many have told about the evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And I don't know, uh, Ananias is a very godly man. He's going to you know, disciple this new believer, but it's almost like uh, Saul, Saul of, Lord, am I hearing you correctly? Yeah. You got to be kidding, I, I, Lord. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, he's got authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said to Ananias in verse 15, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel to me Amen. to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. See, here's the thing. Your, your whole life changes when you become that vessel in whom the Spirit of God dwells. And Alex, verse that's a beautiful term, is a chosen vessel. I want to yes. share, do you think all of us are chosen? He, he first loved us before we could love him. He, he wants us, and we're to be a vessel of him. And I don't want to go on a long trail of it. But, yes. But I think that could be said. You know, God's got a purpose for us, doesn't he? He's got, he's he got reality. I love that, a chosen vessel. And, and, you know, we often talk about our spiritual heroes. And, um, you know, I mean, there, there's so many from Adrian Rogers, you know. You, folks, you think about the people that have influenced your life for Jesus. But you know something? You can be that very same tool in the hand of God. 
As much as I revere, you know, Billy Graham or, 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 or even like a brilliant person like C.S. Lewis or Josh McDowell, who, um, goodness, has the work ethic of 20 men, Josh McDowell does. But you know something? You, every single one of you, can be that vessel filled with God, that tool in God's hand. Like D.L. Moody, uh, he said, I want to be that man fully yielded to God. But um, in, in verse 16, God says to Ananias, I will show him, God's going to show Paul, the great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Bert, uh, Philippians 3.10 is a great verse. Paul wrote this. Paul wrote Philippians, uh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. From conversion and call, Paul had a destiny that he would, yes, he would speak to the Gentiles and he would defend the faith in front of kings and leaders, but he would also suffer for yep. this gospel, wouldn't he? He would. I, this has meant so much to me. I've noticed this. Most suffering is seasonal. Like said in Peter, it, it talks and it comes in diverse ways. There's a few people that God's called out. Uh, and I don't know if the word few is correct. I might say there are some people and not put a qualifier on it. Their whole life is a life of suffering. It is, Alex. I think about Johnny Erickson. Yes, it is. And yet God uses them. And the ones that I know who have had that suffering, they have the joy of the Lord. Suffering does not do away with the joy. If you're going through suffering Mm. right now, look unto Jesus. He is the author and finisher of your faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross so you could be joyful in him. Hey, we'll be back with more of Acts chapter 9 right after the break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Dennis Miotla, Acting Assistant Secretary of Energy for Nuclear Energy. He is responsible for nuclear technology research and nuclear technology infrastructure. Proverbs 14.15 reminds us of the importance of pursuing science and technology. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Dennis Miotla in his work at the United States Department of Energy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. We can't deny our feelings, but Dr. Tony Evans says we can't let them control us either, including our feelings about ourselves. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Satan wants to detour us by getting us like Adam and Eve to rebel against the will and the word of God. He wants us to be independent of God so we define ourselves by ourselves. You're not that good. You're not that smart. We're all too jacked up to define ourselves properly. Who you are is who God says that you are. You may not feel like a masterpiece, okay? But that's okay. God will bring your feelings up to what he is performing. Don't bring what God is performing and reduce it down to your feelings. You go to a horror movie 
and you know the monster or who or whatever it is, you know they're not real, but you're all scared and screaming like it's real. It's not real. You've just been duped. Hollywood has been able to construct the movie in such a way that it makes how you feel, your fear, override what you know to be true. When you understand that's never been real, it's not real, it's never going to be real, you don't have to be jumping all over the seats because your feelings uh, will no longer dictate your facts. You have been created by God and you are a masterpiece in the making created in Christ Jesus. If you don't know what it's like to be a new creation of God through faith in Christ, visit TonyEvans.org and click on the link at the top that says Jesus. Dr. Evans will walk you through everything you need to know. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. When you're up on the mountaintop or walking through the valley below. Jesus is alive. When the storms come crashing in and you're carrying a heavy load. Oh, this is good. A little bit of Southern Gospel to bring us back to Acts chapter 9. Hey, Bert, the grace of God is uh, the mercy, the compassion of the Lord. In verse 17, when Ananias goes in to Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor of the church, now born again, Paul, and Ananias puts his hands on him, and I can just picture this, maybe puts his hands on his shoulder and says, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, who appeared to you in the way as you came, has sent me that you might receive sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Bert, just like in... Um, Mark chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. Peter had denied the Lord, and at the resurrection, the angel says, Go tell his disciples and Peter. And right here, Brother Saul, doesn't that show the redemptive heart of our compassionate Savior? It does. And notice it says, uh, how, how would he have known that? You oh, know, yeah. Uh, God revealed it to him, and uh, he, he says that, this is it, and you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Ananias already knew that. He may, he may have been at Pentecost or Samaria. He was there, but he knew about this. And as soon as this happened, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. I'm, he was... When it came on Saul, he didn't waste any time. He goes immediately, and he, he and Ananias comes immediately, and he's baptized immediately. And then notice what happened. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. These disciples were putting into him. He had come there to arrest them, to take them back to Jerusalem, and in place of that, he's having fellowship with them, Alex. Well, exactly. And do you remember um, this? If you go back there on the Damascus Road, um, it says in verse 6 that, that Saul was trembling and astonished. Really amazing. Now look at verse 21. Now Paul is preaching in the Damascus uh, synagogues, and all who heard him 
were amazed or really astonished. See, the astonishment of the people was preceded by the astonishment and the change in Paul the preacher. And they said, Is this not he who destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came here for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this it, proving that this is very Christ. All right, Acts 9.22. Paul, he's just been a believer a matter of days. He's already preaching, and he's doing apologetics. Uh, we often talk about present, explain, defend the faith. Uh, in Acts 9.22, Acts 17, Paul not only proclaimed Jesus, he knew how to defend the faith, didn't he? He did, and he did it immediately and honestly. Go back and see what Ananias said. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Alex, with his knowledge that he had sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, his interaction with Jesus, and now Ananias, and here these disciples in Damascus, he is ready. And God had him ready to do this quickly. And again, notice what happens. And here, 23 and following, now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Didn't take them long. Now, is this like the, the default position? It is. You know, in John chapter 5, um, Jesus is preaching, so they said, well, let's kill him. Earlier in the book of Acts, there was a, a blind man that was healed, so they said, well, let's kill him. And now there's... Uh, Paul, in ver Acts 9.23... That's it. Let me say, this is not a good strategy. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe he's preaching and his life has been changed because this gospel is true. And now, don't you see, you know, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in the favor with God and man. It says Saul increased the more and more in strength. Now, Saul is delivered, uh, let down from the city in a basket... Doesn't this remind you of several several other miraculous deliverances in Scripture? It and it's still, God still delivers today. Now, he delivers that way. I've seen him. When you read the story of Corey Ten Boom and how she was in that prison camp and how she was let go and they found out later that it was a clerical era that she was let go, uh, God intervened in this deliverance. He not only delivers in life, he delivers you from from death to life, he delivers you from darkness into light. God is in the delivering business. Now, Alex, when Amen. you come to verse 26, this is some things. And Galatians 1 adds to this. Now, let's look at it. It's kind of difficult to follow. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Uh, they, they, they had to be convinced. But Barnabas. <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah. Don't you love Barnabas? But Barnabas oh, yes. took him, brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them in Jerusalem, coming and going out, and he spoke boldly the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to, what? Kill him? <laughs> this, what about to slay him? Yeah. Hey, no matter where he goes, he, either they want to kill him or put him into prison. And when they found, when the brethren found out, they brought him 
down to Caesarea, sent him out to Tarsus. Now, Alex, there's a lot of time frame here. I've been trying to get the time frame. Uh, probably from chapter 8 to chapter 9, when it says Saul was still threatening, there may have been close to a year separation here. And when we talk about chapter 9, Galatians chapter 1 has about the three years that he left Jerusalem to, and he went down and spent that time in Arabia to be taught right. of the Lord. And so it, it works its way here. You know what I mean? In other words, the time frame, he, he is going, uh, yes, to speak to those in Jerusalem, but he's going to come back later after he's been to Arabia. And so here Saul has been converted. Uh, Barnabas has taken him under his wing, introduced him to the apostles, but what happens? People still want to kill him because people respond to Paul, and they don't want him to. The 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 leaders, the Hellenists, they don't want him to, do they? They don't. They don't. And um, I love in verse thirty one though the people that realize God has done a mighty work to change the life of Saul. All right, you know, some want to kill him, but it says then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, they were multiplied. Okay, edified, walking, comforted. The fact that the life of Saul would be changed, I mean, that had to be a great testimony to so many people about the reality of the gospel. I mean, imagine, you know, in our own time, if imagine if, if an Osama bin Laden or some you know, terrorist or atheist. Imagine if Richard Dawkins, the atheist, became a devout believer, which could happen. Uh, God is still in the business of converting people. Now, uh, what's interesting is uh, 32 through 35, for, for a little bit, we turn back to Peter. Uh, there's going to be two healings here, uh, Aenus and Dorcas. And uh, one is going to have the, the city of Lydda, which today is a city called Lod, L-O-D, and then Joppa. These are places, Bert, as I study, um, these places still exist today. They're about 16, 16 miles apart. But Peter comes through Lydda. There's a certain man named Aenus who had kept his bed eight years and was sick of palsy. He's paralyzed. Whenever you see palsy, in at least like the King James, P-A-L-S-Y, that's really a type of paralysis. And Peter says to Anus, Jesus Christ, make thee whole. Arise, make thy bed. Um, hey, I've, I used to smile when I was a kid because mom was always saying, hey, get up and make your bed. <laughs> well, Peter says that, and this man is healed, and all that dwelt at Lydda, and Sarah saw him and turned to the Lord. The, these miracles, they caused people to believe. Now at Joppa, this is about 16 miles away, a certain disciple named Tabitha interpreted Dorcas, this woman full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Okay, um, she did works of mercy is what it means. And... Uh, she was sick and died. She's going to get raised from the dead. They've already prepared her like for burial in verse 37. They uh, washed her body, laid her in an upper chamber. And uh, the disciples heard that Peter was there. They sent to him and said, uh, do not delay, but come. And uh, Peter's going to 
going to raise her from the dead, isn't he? He is. And I just look at this, you know, different gifts. I just got to stop in for a second. The different gifts uh, of encouragement. Barnabas, son of encouragement. We see him introduced here. Uh, uh, Ananias, again, we see him. Uh, I, again, I, I see him as someone who is an encourager and even bravier, a little prophet, being able to go there. But here we see Tabitha or Dorcas, a woman full of good works and charitable deeds. Alex, you know, sometimes this is, I'm just going to say, I think they put too much on those of us that have the, the preaching of the word. Now, again, we're to preach the word. But what about those people out there doing those good works, doing those chari- charitable deeds, doing those things behind the scenes that maybe nobody notices or sees until they do something wrong it's kind of like sound men in church you know uh they're Mm -hmm. there they're they're taking it and devin is one of those our producer he's he's a sound guy and nobody notices it until they do something wrong you know if if they put something uh wrong and it makes a squeaking noise oh man they look back what'd he do but these are people that what would we do without these dorcases that do charitable good works all the time. The church needs to be filled with them, don't they? Oh, my goodness. Well, at the Bema seat, when the rewards are handed out, I think that um, the people that maybe they weren't all that known down here, they're going to get the great rewards. And I want to say this, having spoken in a lot of churches, I think there's going to be great rewards for the church secretaries. (laughs) There, There are so many administrators and church secretaries and bookkeepers and just the the people that do the administrative things that help keep the lights on god knows that and whoever you are whatever you're doing for the lord the lord knows and the lord is is going to reward you and so this is one of those people i I love how the old king james says in verse 36 alms deeds you know these works of mercy good works so um, she's dead, and they say, get Peter, hurry, you know, he's got power. And I love this in verse 39. It says, Peter rose, he came, went upstairs to this upper chamber. All the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas has made Amen. while she was with them. Yeah. Bert, as a, as a minister, I've gone to many a house where there's been a bereavement. And um, they'll say, look at this picture this is back when they played football. Look at this scrapbook. Look at here. This, there's just something about the mementos we leave behind that in some way define us, don't they? They do. And uh, leave something behind. What are you leaving behind? Matter of fact, Sunday when I was preaching on Mother's Day, I, I started the message and I said, is it more important to leave a will behind or a legacy? They're two different mm. things. We always hear you got to get your will. You got to fill it out so they'll you'll know where that money goes, where these things goes, if you have any or whatever. But what about a legacy? Are you what are you leaving behind? What will they remember you for uh, in generations to come? And and so Alex uh, Dorcas left a legacy, and they were showing him this is what this woman has meant to us, and. Uh, Lord, fill us with people like that. Let me be one yes. that would encourage and bless people. 
and you remember Jay? Yeah. Jay Strack used to say, everybody is either going to make a mark or leave a scar. One or the other. And, and so leave a good legacy. But Peter uh, sends them out, kneels down and prayed. And turning to the body, Peter says, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He extends his hand and he uh, called the <laughs> saints and the widows and presented her alive. <laughs> It's, it's like, hey, it's not going to be a funeral today. It's not going to be a funeral today because Dorcas is resurrected. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon the Tanner, Simon a Tanner. Uh, hey, the, the gospel is true. Let me just say this that the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus is reality. Jesus rose. But in unevangelized areas, very often, the power, the signs and manifestations of the power of the Holy Spirit, I think God has given that to authenticate the message and the messenger. Do you? I agree. And again, this is the book of Acts, and we talked about it yesterday how that it is a transitional book. It really is. You go to the Gospels, and you see his birth, his life, his death, burial, and resurrection. Yes. You come to Acts 1-8, and he says, you will be witnesses of mine. And you'll go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. You know, you'll go throughout the uttermost parts of the world, and people will be saved. Alex Notice what it says in verse 37, and it became known where? Throughout Joppa. Yeah. I think it's spreading, don't you? It is spreading. Folks, when we come back, we're going to take Bible questions. So stay tuned. Exploring the Word is going to come back. 888-589-8840. Call us. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. And God wants and needs today some iron-souled saints, some men and women who are not going to wilt when the pressure's on. And the only way iron ever gets into our souls is when we go through the pressure cooker. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Sometimes there's a delay between crying out to God in prayer and seeing those prayers answered. It is imperative for us in those times that we don't waver in our confidence in our God. The next verse goes on to say, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You see, the delay between supplication and delivered answer is one of the ways God develops endurance in us. He desires that the roots of our faith grow down deep, that we become trees planted by rivers of living water, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in His work. In this, we grow beyond superficial Christianity. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Psalm 78, verse 26 says this about God. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he let out the south wind. One day Michelle and I were walking down the beach. A fairly strong wind was at our backs, and so we were having a great walk. But when we turned around, we found ourselves with wind in our faces, and suddenly our walk was much harder. We can walk through life with God's encouraging wind at our backs as we seek Him and obey all He shows us. But when we go our own way, His wind will be in our faces, making our journey difficult. Don't try to get God to change His direction for you. He won't, but you will enjoy His blessing and encouragement when you walk in His way. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex with you, and we've gone through the book of Acts chapter 9, and let me just share with you, we went kind of fast. Go back over it and go to uh, find out and go to AFR.net, and you can look at the podcast and look at Exploring the Word, and you can review it, or you can send it on to someone else if you heard something that you thought would be benefit to them, and uh, we just love to do that and glad that's a part of what uh, AFR yes. is about. We have thousands of people that get on the podcast of different ones, ours and all the other programming here at AFR, and what a unique, uh, you know, I would say a unique privilege it is to be able to do that. But, Alex, we've got yeah. callers in, but that number, we got four uh, we got four spaces left. We Our goal is to get four to six calls in. That's our goal. doesn't mean we do it all the time, but uh, we try anyway. And so that number is 888-589-8840. There's room for your call to get in, and we'd love to hear from you. Alex, go ahead. Bring our callers in today, brother. Well, first of all, we're going to go to my home state of North Carolina and talk to Brandon. Uh, Brandon, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Alex. Hey, thanks for holding. Uh, just curious, where in North Carolina are you? A little town called Stony Point is sort of between Statesville and Hickory. Okay, kind of on I-40 in the western part of the state. Right, yeah, where the gas shortage is. <laughs> well, um, bless your heart. Yeah, yeah, pray pray for us, I'm <laughs> yeah. telling you. But um, what's yeah. your question, Brandon? Yeah, since we've been going through Acts and, you know, um, the apostles have been doing physical healings. Well, I've there's a family member who is sort of, you know, the faith healing type, and they go around and, you know, proclaiming Jesus' name, and they say healing, you know, get paralyzed people walking and people getting over addictions and stuff, and, you know, it was a good debate between her, me and her back and forth, and I, I tried to explain the difference between prescriptive and descriptive, and I was just wondering if you had any tips on how I can really connect with with her in a way that, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not, you know, I think the Holy Spirit gives us the power 
to persevere, not so much be a showman and help other you know, physical ailments and stuff. A lot of times they'll pray for somebody's addiction in Jesus' name, and then two weeks later, well, they go back to their drug, and then they say, well, Jesus didn't work. So he's a son of hell. Mm. And I was just wondering what your comments might be to say to somebody with that opinion. Well, um, Bert, healing is always by God. Um, not everybody is always healed, but um, I, and I know there have been different different ministries, and and I know I I read that Oral Roberts and Billy Graham were great friends, and while Oral Roberts, you know, was known as as a faith healer, quote unquote, they they respectfully had some disagreements about that. But when, when someone is healed, whether it's, you know, people lay on hands and pray or whether it's, um, however, whenever someone is healed, it is God ultimately who does the healing, isn't it? It is. I have some doctor friends and one or two that I know, they have said these words. We practice some things. We know some things to do, but we can't heal anyone. It is God that does it. God made the body and the God and God put our body to correct some things and some things can't be corrected. But there's a difference in quote faith healing and divine healing. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh faith healing, listen, how do dead men have faith? You know, they did not. And there's some of the people came to Jesus. Uh, Jesus he this man that was sitting at the pool, he said, How can I get into there unless a man help me? And Jesus healed that man, you know? And but let mm-hmm. me read this, and I, I want to do it quickly and get on to the next call. But I, I think this is kind of what we need to look at, and what we need to do today. It's in the book of James. Is any, and this is chapter five. Is anyone among you suffering? Let I him pray. Just, yeah. Is anyone yeah. cheerful? Let him sing hymns. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will be raised him up. And if he has committed sins, it will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If you haven't read, read about the Shantung Revival that took place over in China before World War II. And what took place there when uh, Ms. Culpepper was sick and how they wanted to pray for her. They read this, and this is what they're going to do. But what they decided to do, that they would confess their faults to one another first, Alex. And mm-hmm. then she got healed with <laughs> without the laying on of hands or anything. But listen, I, I do believe the church ought to pr- pray for people. I believe they ought to. And uh, I believe in going to the doctor. Don't not go to the doctor. But while you're going to the doctor, it's not a it's not a lack of faith to go to the doctor and say, "What do I need to do?" But it's also good to gather around people and let them pray for them, Alex, and ask God to heal them, and then let God mm-hmm. choose how He heals them, raising them up, surgery, a medicine, or whatever. Let God choose the healing or not healing, and put it in God's hands. Amen. Amen. Good, good word, Bert. Uh, we're going to go to Texas. John in Texas. Uh, have got to ask you, where in Texas are you, John? Um, Dallas. 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 Okay. Big D. All right. Big yes. D. Hey, John, welcome. You got a question? Um. Yeah. 
When does the rapture take place? Before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or after the tribulation? Alex? <laughs> one of those. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. We got people that disagree on that. You and I are both before the tribulation, but you and I both have some dear, dear friends that believe it's in the middle and at the end, don't we? Yeah, you know, and, and by the way, John, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a student of God's Word. I commend you. I, I really do. And in fact, tell you what I'd like to do. If Devin can get your address, I want to send you my book, Stand, Core Truths You Must Know for an Unshakable Faith. We've got a chapter about the end times, and we, we go through all the verses uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus talked about his return. So uh, I'd love to just send that to you as a kind of a thank you for listening. Uh, and if Devin gets your contact info, we'll do that. I know we got a, a listener yesterday that I'm going to send a book to. And so uh, every now and then, whenever we can, we, we try to do that. But let me say this, Bert. Uh, there have been different books. Um, I know that several years ago, um, InterVarsity put out a book on, you know, four views on the rapture. And part of the pre-tribulational view that there's the rapture, then the seven years of tribulation, you don't read about after uh, Revelation, the end of Revelation 3, from Revelation 4 through 20, which are, you know, clearly during the tribulation period, um, you don't read about the church. The church seems to have been called out. And so, Bert, there's not only the when of the rapture that people talk about, but is it how complete is the rapture? Is it just for spiritual Christians, or is it a partial rapture, and maybe carnal Christians don't go? I'm, I'm simply going to say that I think it's a full rapture of all the church at pre-tribulational, because it does say in First Thessalon- Thessalonians that, you know, we will, we will not all sleep, but we all will be changed. Right. Um, but, you know, let me just say, this is not a place that we ought to burn bridges either. You know, equally good, godly, well-intentioned people um, have differing views on this. What we, we all agree on, Christ is physically, literally coming back. Amen. And the, the fallen world systems will be vanquished, and the kingdom of Christ will be established. So uh, I, I don't think we should break fellowship. Never. over this amen yeah. john thank you and you're going to get that address and we appreciate you listening and calling in all right um jim in arkansas this is where i'm going to be on friday i'm going to be in rogers and bentonville arkansas uh but jim thanks for holding welcome to exploring the word okay i'm on the air right you are your own <laughs> welcome oh talk about talk about that holy spirit Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old man, but that Holy Spirit filled me up one time, and I just knocked my socks off almost. Amen. Hey, Jim. Here's what, go ahead. Here's, go ahead. Here's what, here's what I've got. When they came out in, in uh, Acts 2, when they came out, they started speaking in tongues, and a guy down there says, they must be drunk. Now, the guys had to be drunk because not the disciples and the other people, because they could understand what they were saying. You understand? So, for him to say they were drunk, how'd they get that talking? You know? You uh, okay. Yeah. They, there was some excitement going on, and 
they were uttering words that could not be understood except they could understand everyone in their own language. And it was a language, and that's 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 the important part. And you're talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit, Jim. I'm telling you what, if you read at it in the book of Acts, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they would go and tell others about Jesus Christ. We even talked that today in chapter 9. When, when Paul was filled with the Spirit, what did he do? He went and told those disciples and others in Damascus about Jesus. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit, isn't it, Alex? It, well, it is. It's, it's for witnessing and sharing the gospel and evangelizing. And I'm glad this speaks to you so much. I'm gl- glad to hear you're excited about the Word of God. Amen. Well, we're going to go back to Texas and speak with Monica. Monica, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you so much. Uh, I called yesterday, but I guess I was too late. Okay, my question is um, kind of odd, but uh, I was raised Catholic, and people go to the cemetery, and they pray for the dead, to the dead. They also pray at home. Sometimes when they have an issue, they're praying to their loved one that went ahead. I just find that odd and I don't know if I believe that. Do you have anything on that? Thank you, Monica. Jesus is our high priest. Let me set this up, Monica. I'll turn it over to Alex for some practicality. When Jesus died on the cross, uh, if you remember, the middle wall of partition was broken down. That means in the temple you had the holy of holies, and then you had the holy place, and the holy, the most holy place, the holy of holies, the high priest could only go in there once a year and and that was torn in two. It gave us access. The access is through Jesus Christ. The access is not through any man that's gone before us. The Bible declares, Alex, that they possibly are witnesses. According to Hebrews, you know, that they're, you know that could be interpreted that way. But Jesus is the one that's our intercessor, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And let me say this, you know, that the Bible talks about uh, in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die and after this, the, the judgment. Yeah, I've, I've got to say, and I say it respectfully and in love, but there, there's really no New Testament sanctioning for prayers for, for the dead. Now, the, the Catholic practice of, of prayers for the dead, which I disagree with, is largely taken out of some of the apocryphal books like Second Maccabees. Um, and so uh, l- let me just say this biblically. You, you really, that, that's not biblical because it, the only time that really prayer can avail any good for anybody is in this life. And so uh, I, I think that we need to make sure that uh, evangelizing people and ministering to people that we do our utmost to do that in this life because after someone passes, they're in the hands of God, aren't they, Bert? They are. They are. Okay. Who's the next uh, caller? Stephen in uh, Louisiana. Stephen, thanks for holding. Welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Bert. And uh, this is not my first time caller. Uh, I was listening to your account, you know, to the Bible. The, biblical account of Paul's uh, experience on the road to Damascus and all. And uh, I was just wondering, because I, I I did try and 
I was searching to see just what his strategy might have been to recognize those who worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And how would he distinguish between those in the temple who was not of the Lord Jesus Christ? And how would he disguise himself to do a covert operation to find these people? Okay. Thank you, Stephen. It was a synagogue that he went to, by the way. Uh, but yes. th- that's just real quick. Alex, uh, I think he had a kind of a network, did he not, to identify them the same way they do uh, in countries that are communist-controlled or Muslim-controlled? They have a network yes. of spies, don't they? They do. In Acts 9-2, it says that you know Saul was going to go to the synagogues to find people of the way. And that's, you know, in a way, that's kind of a compliment because those that who believed in Jesus and who followed Jesus, they they definitely had different beliefs than the the religious Jews, and they had a different way of life. And uh, let me, Josh McDowell used to ask the question: If you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Um, may God, hopefully, none of us listening will ever have to be under persecution or 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 martyrdom, but it ought to be that if, if we claim Jesus, we live in such a way that it would be identifiable, shouldn't it, Bert? It should be. We're not going to have time to go to you, Ann, in Michigan, or in Paul, in Louisiana, but we are praying for you. Ann, Paul, if you can call back tomorrow. We're going to have a special edition tomorrow. Just let me share with you. We're going to have a call-in th- Thursday. Sometimes we call it Thunder Thursday. and We're going to do all questions for the whole hour tomorrow. We are. We are. And uh, we're looking forward to that. We're just, we've had so many questions that's coming in at the end of the programming. We just felt like we need to give more time for those questions. So, Alex, I'm looking forward to it, brother. Yes, and, and I know one of the questions was about homosexuality. Uh, our colleague Ann Palk with the Restored Hope Network. Restored Hope Network. That's a good resource to look at. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word here on the American Family Radio Network. Tony Perkins, Washington Watch, is up next. So listen, but tell someone about Exploring the Word, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.